Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Redemption. Nothing personal word of the day is redemption. We could all use some. One year ago today, Virginia got it. Yeah, the Cavaliers. That's the team. Do you remember? Can you actually name who won the NCAA tournament one year ago today? It seems like a decade ago. A decade ago, Virginia won the NCAA title. Two decades ago, or as some people used to refer to it as two years ago, Virginia lost in the first round as a number one seed. So a number 16 seed beat a number one seed. The following year, that same number one seed won the whole damn thing. I would say that is the definition of redemption. Been thinking a lot about what that word means these days and times. Teams use it. It's like bulletin board material. We want redemption. We want revenge. We want to win this game, win this season, win this series, win this title. I wonder whether in this era of one and done, like in college basketball, that there is that sense of redemption when it's such a different core of players. We used to have it that way in Major League Baseball when we would have a bad streak against a team. You'd often hear this basketball, too, like an East Coast, West Coast team where you only play once a year. Let's say the Knicks only play once a year in Los Angeles. You know, the Knicks have not beaten the Lakers in 12 years. Guess what? The current Knicks locker room doesn't care about that. They weren't around 12 years ago. Or if the Marlins had won seven out of nine in the last two years against the Phillies, does that mean that the current locker room cares? No. We never use that word redemption a lot in sports, but it's always used only in the past tense. Never, hey, let's seek redemption. Redemption redemption is something you get, not something you seek. I wonder what kind of redemption Tom Brady is going to get. We've spoken so much about Tom Brady. You know very well where he is, don't you? Yes, you do. He is in Tampa in those new unis, the charcoal ones. I think they're charcoal. It's hard to actually know what color anything is because it all depends on your monitor these days or the size of your phone, and then you use your thumb to make it bigger. Is it pewter? Is it charcoal? Is it gray? We actually made up the Pantones in large part for the new Marlins logo. We had a logo that was developed. This is a true story. I just thought of this, actually, to tell you right now because it's about colors. So when you put together a logo, you generally get a lot of choices. Then you go back and forth, and this goes on for months because when you're revealing a new logo or revealing a new uniform, you have to start doing it at least a year in advance. So it's not as though the Buccaneers were developing this new uniform in the past year. It's not as though they planned to reveal their new unis yesterday because they were going to sign Tom Brady. It actually does not work that way because think about it. When the new uniform is revealed, you automatically should be able to buy those new uniforms with your name on it or the name of another player and spend money 
Therefore, any sort of rebranding, which is what a new uniform is, that comes with new revenue. So you plan for that. You've got to get it made. That's how things get leaked. You think it was a surprise that the Rams logo got leaked? Of course not. Because before we see it as the public, guess who sees it first? Let's go in order when you do a new leak or a new uniform. Who sees it first? One, the designer and the company you've hired to design the uniform. They see 10 choices. They meet with the owner of the team, marketing people, president, GM, whoever. A choice is made. All right, you've got a decent group of people who know. Then it goes to the NFL, entirely the commissioner's office, MLB commissioner's office. They have to approve the new uniform. That is seen by a whole new group of people. Then, how do you think you get those uniforms? The logo is sent under lock and key with confidentiality agreements. It gets sent to the companies who make the uniforms. You know how Fanatics makes MLB uniforms and now they're making actual PP&E equipment? They're not making unis anymore? Well, when Fanatics gets a new uniform for a team, they get it well in advance because they have to make it. Then guess what happens? They go on a truck. Trucker sees it. Then they get to a store. Then they get unpacked. Then they get put throughout the store in a nice display. So meanwhile, you've got a whole group of people who see these new uniforms and new logos. So there is no way to keep anything secret. So our Marlins logo got leaked. It got panned terribly. We've talked about that. It had many different colors of the rainbow. Phenomenal logo done in large part by our owner who has an eye for art, an eye for anything marketing related among anything fine art related. That's not exactly a secret. So what happens is it gets developed and we wanted a lot of Miami colors, the color of the ocean, the color of the sky, the color of the grass, any, the color of the sun. So you go through, you get colors, you choose colors. And if you do not have an exact Pantone, that's what it's called. Pantone 17, Pantone 259, Pantone 692, you can say, hey, we want Marlins blue. That's now Pantone 2003, let's say. So the Marlins logo has a bunch of Pantones. So does Tom Brady's new uniform. So Tom Brady, will he get redemption? Landed at Coca. Will he get redemption? Don't know. What we do know is that he's on the road to perdition. That road includes a letter that was written to the Players' Tribune published in the Players' Tribune, a 2,000-word letter. Do you know what the Players' Tribune is? Yes, that is the company started and owned in part by Derek Jeter. What do Derek Jeter and Tom Brady have to do with one another other than the fact that they were rumored to have eaten at Burns Steakhouse? And if you've ever been to Tampa and not been to Burns Steakhouse, oh, time out, yes. They are not a sponsor. If you've never been to Tampa and never been to a steakhouse that starts with B and ends with an apostrophe S in Tampa, then you are missing out on quite something. So was there a dinner between Derek Jeter and Tom Brady before it was announced that Tom Brady would become the quarterback of the Buccaneers? It was rumored. It was hot and heavy. It was wrong. So what exactly would cause Tom Brady to publish his letter in the Players' Tribune? Well, guess where Tom Brady lives in Tampa? He lives in Derek Jeter's house. 
Derek Jeter has this amazing house that I was lucky enough to go to when he was trying to buy the team right before he fired me. He went there and brought me in to sort of suck the knowledge out of me like Arnold Schwarzenegger got things sucked out of his brain in Total Recall. Or for you newbies, it could be Colin Farrell, but watch the Schwarzenegger one. Way better. The Philip Dick novel. Suck the energy out. Suck the info out. Got to see the house. It's a beautiful house in a very exclusive part of Tampa. But guess what? Derek moved to Miami. And he spends a lot of time in Miami because there's a lot of work to do because the people in the previous administration made a lot of baseball decisions, business decisions that were terrible for the team. They did not help the asset appreciation. They didn't help the record. They barely had any good players. So there was such a lot of work to do that he moved to Miami, by the way, not B-I-T-T-E-R, just giving you some F-A-C-T-S's. So he had an empty house. Guess who the landlord is? Jeter. Guess who the tenant is? Brady. I wonder whether Tom Brady got a discount on the security deposit. Derek could have said, hey, Tom, hey, listen, you're going to do something to communicate with fans. Why not write a letter? Let's publish it on the Players' Tribune. We're trying to sell the Players' Tribune. We need a lot of attention. We need to show some click-through bait, and we need to make sure that we've got some eyeballs. So in return... Instead of the $30,000 security deposit, let's just make it a cool 29.5. So he wrote this 2,000 word essay. What was interesting is that as you break it down, Tom Brady is a very, very purposeful man. He doesn't say or write one thing. This is my view of Tom Brady without meaning it. And he spent quite a bit of time in that letter talking about what drives him, what makes him want to continue playing. He said things like changes and challenges are a part of life. They're part of athletes' lives. He kept going. They're supposed to happen. They need to happen sometimes. I want to keep doing this until I don't want to do it anymore. Well, I think that's pretty interesting to me. He wants to keep doing it till he doesn't want to do it anymore. Well, I've got a surprise for you. Athletes get to do it only until we give them a spot on the team. Athletes don't get to choose. The reason they don't get to choose is that we're in charge. Tom Brady in that letter made it sound like he was in charge, which is typical Tom Brady. It's typical quarterback, typical sort of when you're a little narcissistic, which you have to be. So he goes on to this letter and The thing that I need to mention, Bill Belichick, who's that? Who that? He's the coach of the Patriots, the greatest coach in the history of football, the GOAT, who had the GOAT quarterback on his team. They were co-GOATs, the GOATs, the GOATs. Can you be a GOAT without another GOAT? Has there ever been a GOAT without a GOAT? One GOAT? Do you need two GOATs to have one GOAT? Sometimes there's a GOAT. Just he's the GOAT. Who did Jordan have? Is Phil Jackson the GOAT coach of all time? That's Red Arback. But Jordan's the GOAT. Is Ty Lue or Spo, Eric Spolstra, are they the GOAT in case you think LeBron's the GOAT to make two GOATesses? I don't think so. But the Pats had double GOATs. But Tom Brady only mentioned Bill Belichick's name one time in that letter. One time. And it was so backhanded that it required Ivan Lendl to execute it. That's a tennis reference. He had a good backhand. 
He said that Bill Belichick didn't even call him when he was drafted because he was such a low draft pick. I think he was drafted in the sixth round. He was called by his assistant. That's normal. The GM doesn't call all 30 guys drafted in an MLB draft. He calls the top guys. After that, let the scouts do it. Let the scouting director do it. No problem. But what happened is he made it so obvious in this letter that he had a problem with Belichick and that there was a problem in that relationship. But I'm not guessing here. And the reason I'm not guessing is part two of the Tom Brady possible redemption tour. He went on Howard Stern today. How many loyal Howard Stern listeners are there? Well, you used to have to pay for it. It's now free. You can stream Sirius free. Go to the Howard 100 channel, it's called. He did a wide-ranging interview, and it was interesting to me. He talked about three topics that I want to mention. One, he talked about what it meant to be in New England. He talked about the importance of the relationship with Belichick, but what he said was, I could not have been as good as I was without Belichick, but Belichick could not have been as good as he was without me. He used the word vice versa. Look for it in the interview. It's interesting that there is this sort of level of discontent amongst the two. It's like a divorce is what it's been referred to, what he's referred to it as, except he knew what was coming. All of that shenanigans, all of the talk last year. Is he going? Is he staying? We've heard rumors he's selling his house. He's joining a country club in New York. He's looking in Weston, Florida. His trainer has sold his house and moved to Guadalajara. All of it was speculation. Tom Brady ended that today in the Howard Stern interview when he said, hey, I knew it was time. I knew going into the last 2019 season that my time had come and I was ready to move on from Foxborough, from New England. How did he know he was ready? Because it seems that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick did the right thing. The hard thing with an aging superstar who you know is not worth the type of money that he's going to want. Who knows that he wants the type of love that you can't give him anymore. Who knows that your player is going to want a goodbye and the same sort of goodbye contract that other superstars have gotten that have crippled franchises. And you heard it on Nothing Personal. No way, Belichick. No way, Kraft. No way they were going to do it. So Tom Brady said, I knew it, which means he had been told it. Yet at the end of the season, they gave him, Tom Brady, one more try. Hey, Tom, we want you back. We need you back. It's going to be about $10 million maybe. That's my guess. That's what I would have offered, $10 million, five of which would be guaranteed. Maybe a second-year option, maybe. But no, Tom Brady went out and realized that he was going to be wooed. He was going to be loved. He wanted to be back in a locker room with a coach who he loved, a new relationship. And guess what? He found 50 reasons to leave his lover. And it wasn't about Paul and it wasn't about Art. It was about Bruce and Malcolm. By the way, Coca, that's a Simon and Garfunkel song. That's actually a duet. Not the top-selling duet. That's going to be Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates, that's another old group. Your Kiss is on my list. I mean, not yours, Coca. I mean, it could be. But Your Kiss, Your Kiss is on my list. Private Eyes, Nothing. Sarah smile. All right, Mr. Bridge over troubled water. Bottom line is Tom Brady said a couple other things too. 
talked about Giselle. He never talks about Giselle. He talked about the fact that when he was with Giselle, he started with Giselle. He was dating Bridget Monaghan. You know her from Serendipity, the actress from iRobot. Well, he got her pregnant, left her, married Giselle, had two more kids, all good. Everything's normal. Then we find out in the Howard Stern show today that Giselle was disappointed with how much work he did around the house during the off season. Tom went on the Howard Stern show and said, hey, the reason why I didn't attend off season workouts and the off season training is that that was my time to do my work around the house. And Giselle had written me a letter saying, hey, you work so hard during the football season. I need you home doing stuff. I got a honeydew list, and it involves cantaloupe. I found that funny to me. A letter? Yeah, I guess there was a letter. Okay, Tom Brady, thanks for going on Howard Stern. What's next in the redemption tour for Tom? Believe me, there's a next. Believe me, he's calculated it. How's the press conference going to go when he first takes the field with the Buccaneers? Think that'll be planned? Yeah. Do you think that the luckiest guy in the world right now is the PR guy for the Buccaneers? How psyched is he? He's going to be the most popular employee ever. Media people from around the country, national media, news media, international media, they're going to want a piece of TB12, and it's got to go through the PR guy. You deserve a raise, whoever you are. Well, Tom Brady's going to find out exactly who he's going to play with this year. He's got some good wide receivers. Pete Prisco, our own guy at CBS, thinks Tampa Bay is going to be good. Depends on their defense. That they don't need Tom Brady to be the GOAT in order for them to be good. I think he has him in his power rankings, number 10, something like that. More importantly, two spots above the Patriots, who he has at 12. What interests me about that is, are people ranking Tom Brady and the Buccaneers because they think they're getting Tom Brady and the Patriots? I think they're getting... Eli Manning of the Giants last year. Now, I'm not saying Eli Manning was the GOAT. I'm saying Tom Brady is. I'm saying Tom may be better than Eli was last year, but not by a whole lot. But NFL draft virtual. Tampa Bay is going to get a pick. Who's it going to be? Offense, defense. We have had a lot of energy in the last 24 hours about this virtual draft. And we found out something so perfect. I got to explain this to you because I love it. The NFL is holding a dress rehearsal for their virtual draft. Now, don't think that the dress rehearsal, let's think about the Academy Awards. They rehearse like crazy. Up comes Jack Nicholson. Now, God, I'm the worst imitator ever, but I'm doing it. You know why? Because if you're watching me on YouTube, then you're seeing me with my Jack Nicholson face. If you're not and you're just listening on Apple, which I appreciate, download, subscribe, tell a friend about nothing personal. If you're at all entertained for at least 41 out of the 45 minutes and retention rates would say that's possible. Now, nominees for best picture are, I can't tell, that may be George Bush actually. Not gonna do it. So you call the nominees I know it's an awful, Coke is in my ear telling me that's an awful Jack Nicholson. Well, I'm just not good at it. But I'm saying that Jack Nicholson goes, does a dress rehearsal. Do you think he knows who wins best picture? They don't open the envelopes during the rehearsal. They rehearse how it's going to go. So when I say that they're going to do a mock 
rehearsal, a dress rehearsal for the virtual draft. They're going to get all 32 teams on. They're going to have everyone zooming. You're going to be playing in the background who's zooming who. And you are going to figure out whether this is going to work. And here's what I can't wait to have happen. With the number one pick in the NFL draft and the two, sorry, starting again, edit that, cut it, cut. With the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft, said Roger Goodell, Roger, 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 we can't hear, Roger, we can't hear you. Roger. Yes. Okay. Again, one more time. Okay. Three, two, one. With the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals draft, Joe Young, the mighty Joe, my, my, my document's wrong. It says mighty Joe Young. There's no, there's no gorillas involved. Where is Brad Pitt here? It's time. One more time. Hey, New England, stop. I can see that you're recording this. Stop it. You know, John Harbaugh, I told you it's fine. The Patriots aren't doing. Hold on one second. New England, stop it. Stop it now. All right. With the number. No, no, no. You got to wait for the countdown, Mr. Commissioner. Okay. Is everyone on? Three, two, one. With the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select. Okay, we're going to stop there. You're on the clock. Now, when I say you're on the clock, what you're saying to me is, Samson, how do you not know who's got the number two pick? I got a lot of things in my brain. I can't think of the team. I would think it could it be the Lions, the Tigers. Oh, is it the Bears? Oh, my. I just have no idea. It's the Redskins, obviously. But how's, who's going to know? So this is how the dress rehearsal is going to go. Players are beginning to speak up. Teams are beginning to speak up. And I've got a small, a tiny little nugget of a thought that what's actually going to happen is that there's going to be tons of delays. You're going to hear in my wait to see that there's going to be a situation What I love about this is when we were talking about the show, Coco was giving me all sorts of ideas about what could happen. Can you imagine that you've got 32 teams on and you've been on Zoom calls, right? You're supposed to press mute when you're not talking. We've seen all sorts of amazing videos about people who forget to press mute and what happens from bodily noises to grepses to talking on the other line. So can you imagine if the Miami Dolphins with the number five picker on the clock, they're in their rooms, 30 scouts. You've got the GM, the most important pick of all time. They're supposed to be on mute. Hey, what, are we doing it? Are we doing Tua? Well, do, you, you want to lo- love? Guys, we got two minutes. No, no, I know we talked about it. Hold on. I got Steve Ross on the phone. Steve, can you hear me? We're going to a, no, we don't want to go love what we have to go. Okay. Steve, one second. Hey, Chris, I think we're going to have to go love. Not one second. Steve, one second. Steve, please. One. No, not you, Steve. Yeah. You, Chris, one second. Roger. What? What? Excuse me. What? 
You didn't press mute? You Can you imagine if all that happened? And you think there's a chance it won't? I actually think it's almost definite that it will. Who's not going to want to watch the virtual draft? I want to watch the dress rehearsal. Eh, wait to see. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So, you say you want to talk to Samson. Okay. I'm in for that. So, you want to talk to Samson is when you follow me at David P. Samson. That's Twitter, right? And you go into my DMs and just ask a question. You can actually ask anything you want, and there's some interesting ones that come. I try to get to as many of them as possible. Uh, I try to answer as many as possible, try to get a few on the air once a day. This is the 110th episode. Thank you all for that. Yeah, I told you we'd keep going, and we're going to. So, so you want to talk to Samson. This is a sort of relevant topic. Are there really any athletes who live paycheck to paycheck? Is C.J. McCollum telling the truth? That's a heck of a question, and I get asked it all the time. Over the course of a career, one of the major disconnects is that when you read about a player signing a certain contract, four years, $40 million, one year, $7 million, the thought is that that player is set for life. How about a one-year minimum contract where you're making $560,000? Well, that seems pretty good. And it is. The numbers are insane. C.J. McCollum is an assistant in the Players Association for the National Basketball Association. And he had some comments about this, talking about how NBA, there is now, the NBA stopped playing. Remember, they had played the majority of their season. Players had gotten the majority of their annual contracts assuming they're played, paid during the course of the championship season the way it happens in, base, in baseball. Some players like LeBron get paid 12 months a year. Some get paid just over the six months of the season. So the question is, now we have 
the end of the season, let's say there's 10 games that haven't been played, that's 10 out of 80, one-eighth of your paycheck. If you're making $800,000, you're missing $100,000. If you're m- making $8 million, you're missing a million. If you're making $16 million, you're missing $2 million. I could go on. My point is this. It's a significant amount of money that players have gotten, but there's money that players have not gotten. So the big discussion that Adam Silver has to have with the Players Association is what do we do if we skip the regular season? Do the players get the rest of their money? But on the other hand, there's players who don't make all that much money or there's players who make plenty of money but end up giving it away. We've talked about it on Nothing Personal. Players who make bad investment decisions, players who put their names on restaurants, players who support a gaggle of people, no geese needed. Are they hangers on? Are they friends from high school or college? Are they people who have been introduced to the player after games in the friends and family section? Are the people who started off in the friends section, moved to the family section, and then back to the friends section? Seen it. Either way, you've got a lot of expenses. And the key when you are in a situation like this, which is the beginning, if not a recession, what will happen once this pandemic ends, we don't know. The key is to have as few fixed expenses as possible because fixed expenses are hard to get rid of. Rent is a fixed expense. Student loans, car payments, salary of your employees who are contracted, fixed expenses. Variable expenses for a player would include a chef. Variable expenses would include friends who are getting monthly checks or cash from you. You can cut them off if you want but it can be hard. So is it possible that there are NBA players who actually spend their entire paycheck? Because when I tell you they make a million dollars a year, you know from your job, let's say your salary is $50,000 a year. Do you actually make $50,000 per year? No, you have to pay taxes. If not, you're Wesley Snipes or Richard Hatch, as in Survivor. You've got to pay taxes or you start eating meals behind bars. So these players get taxes withheld from them just like you do in your paychecks. Social security, federal tax, in many cases, state income tax as well. So you don't actually make the full amount. But is it possible that there are players who still live paycheck to paycheck? I've seen it more than you would believe. While there are players who each paycheck get a million dollars, two million dollars per paycheck, There are players whose paychecks are much smaller and they decided to buy an extra house or an extra car. They decided to take out mortgages because of the low rates. They decided that they would help start a business with a friend because they thought that it was a great idea that right now to be in the boating business. Whatever the case may be, circumstances could happen where players are living paycheck to paycheck because what players believe is what we all believe. The good times will never end. There's not going to be a pandemic. There's not going to be locusts or hail or the, or the plagues. By the way, happy Passover. Time for the plagues. Normally in a Seder, I'd like to point out for those of you who do not have Seders, or if you're doing a Zoom Seder, or it's a tough day because you're alone on the holidays, the way you're supposed to do it is you have a glass of wine. You're supposed to have four glasses of wine during the course of a Seder. I would say that now everything is at least a multiple of two. Eight glasses of wine will be in the Seder. Part of the Seder is you talk about the plagues, the plagues that were thrust upon the people by God 
I think there's 10 of them. The 10 plagues or the 12 plagues. Either way, you've got locusts, you've got hail, you dip your pinky in the glass of wine, and then you put that down on your doily that's on your gefilte fish plate. But in these times of pandemic and Zoom satyrs, I am going straight from the pinky right to the mouth. I'll sanitize, I'll wash my hands, but I'm not wasting 10 or 12 drops. And if you do it in both Hebrew and English, that could be 20 to 24 drops. No, there'll be no waste for me. Can't imagine why we were talking about plagues. There's 10 of them. To me, there's 12, right? Does coronavirus get to be its own plague? I don't know. So it is definitely possible that you've got team players who weren't expecting any sort of plague, any sort of virus, and they do end up living paycheck to paycheck. That's real. Shocking, but true. I appreciate you asking this. So you want to talk to Samson question. Thank you. Well, I had a sad night last night. I'm not actually afraid to admit when things make me sad. I've told you that I don't have a lot of emotion, but sometimes emotions come in the form of commercials, TV shows, movies. Sometimes they come when I think about things that make me sad. Sometimes I think about things that are supposed to make me sad that don't make me sad. Sometimes I think about things that are supposed to make me not sad that make me sad. It goes back and forth. Last night was the series finale of a show that you've heard me talk about, tweet about, it's called Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek does not have to be edited out of this podcast or from YouTube. I'm not swearing. It's S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S. It's the name of a town. It's a show that was developed by a person, a talented actor and producer and director and writer and showrunner named Dan Levy. Dan Levy is the son of Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy is the father of Jason Biggs. An American Pie. Who remembers that scene? Eugene Levy is one of the most talented improv comedic actors, and he has combined with Christopher Guest to make movies that if you haven't seen, get on it. From Best in Show to For Your Consideration, all these hilarious movies that also happen to have Catherine O'Hara in them. So Dan Levy went to his father, Eugene, and said, I have an idea. Let's do a show about a family who loses all of their money, sort of relevant now for many people, and has to move into a town they bought for fun, sort of like Dana White buying an island, called Schitt's Creek. And it's not exactly a perfect town. It's actually a nightmare for the mom and dad. They're the Rose family. You've got Johnny and Moira Rose. Their kids, Alexis and David, not me. Not any other David, but David Rose. And the four of them move into this town. They don't move into a house. They move into the Rosebud Motel in connecting one-room rooms. So they each have a room. Johnny and Moira, mom and dad, connect to David and Alexis, son and daughter. For the next six years, Schitt's Creek developed into an incredibly popular show. They did things that you don't often see on television. They made humor, tears, family, redemption, forgiveness. And above all, they showed what it is when a family can get together and realize that what makes them love each other is not what they had, but who they are. And it all ended last night with one of the great series finales, the best series finale I've seen since 1983 when Goodbye, Farewell, Amen, which 
by the way, is the final MASH episode, by the way, is the single most watched episode ever of any show ever. I think it was 73 million people watched that. I was in ninth grade writing a bio paper for Dr. Howard. My mother was actually typing the paper on an actual typewriter. What's actually interesting is that she was downstairs and I had to run during commercials just to pretend that I was interested and thankful for what she was doing when, in fact, all I wanted to do was watch the final match and cry because it had been such a part of my life for as long as I can remember. The series debuted when I was four. I felt the same way about the Schitt's Creek ending. Why am I telling you to watch Schitt's Creek? There's one reason in particular. They did more. This series did more for the LGBTQ community than any series I've ever seen. You see, David Rose was what he would describe as a pansexual. He wasn't sure if he loved men, women. He just wanted to love. And he coined a phrase which said he loves the wine, not the label. And that became such a mantra for people around the world, not just Canada, not just the U.S., but everywhere. This show taught tolerance. This show had David Rose and his character written and played perfectly by Dan Levy. It evolved into him having a relationship with a character named Patrick, played by Noah Reed, where the final series finale was their wedding. This wasn't about homosexuality or heterosexuality. This wasn't where you've got two gay characters who are sort of the the butt of every joke on the show. It was absolutely normal. They were two people who found love and wanted to get married. It's not that they talked about being accepted in their community because do you talk about being accepted in your community? You just are accepted in your community. But there's a whole group of people who aren't whether it's by their color, whether it's by their race, whether it's by their sexual identity, they don't feel accepted. But what Dan Levy wrote over six years in Schitt's Creek was a community in Schitt's Creek of people who just accepted everyone for exactly who they were, what they were about. There was no judgment. I wish clubhouses would be that way, but they're not. Over 18 years, I had to deal a lot with the issue of homosexuality in the clubhouses, people ask me all the time, are there any gay players on your team? Would anyone want to shower with the, what do the players do when they see someone who's gay? What do they do in the shower? Do you know any times I got asked that ridiculous question? But you know what? I learned it actually wasn't so ridiculous because I learned that the atmosphere that I was a part of creating was this male-dominated, pound-your-chest, manly, man, gender-identifying clubhouse where there's no rules, where there is disrespect shown to women, where there is, it's, it's crazy the things that you hear and learn and see. I thought to myself often when I was doing this, that is there a way, what can I do to make changes? How can I help players who I thought and knew were gay? What can I do to make it better? And I kept thinking, do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I answer when I give a speech and people say, are there any homosexuals on your team? Why don't any current athletes come out on Schitt's Creek? They did episodes about coming out, coming out to your family, how to do it, what it means. It was so touching and so perfect. 
I couldn't make the clubhouse better. I tried harder than you'll ever know. I tried to make it so that it was a completely inclusive atmosphere. But when you're dealing with centuries of tradition, when you're dealing with people who just want to keep stereotypes, stereotypes, and it's not blaming any players, it's not blaming any management or managers or presidents or GMs or owners, it's not blaming anybody. It's the way things are in sports. The difficulty in having a player come out while the season's going on is that you don't know how it's going to be received. You know it's going to become the story. You know that teammates are going to have to answer questions. You know that there's going to be looks by media members. You know there's going to be tweets. There's going to be social media. There's going to be requests for interviews. It's the anti-Shits Creek, where if we were Shits Creek, guess what we'd get to do? We would get to say, it's all right. It's all good. We don't even need to talk about it. Because we accept everyone exactly as you are, however you are. The only thing that I actually care about, can you hit and can you pitch? Because if you can't do either one of those, I don't care what else you can do or want to do or do or don't do. You're going to the minors. Shit's Creek is something that I wish everyone would watch. Today is day 24 of the ML Beard Challenge. It's quite a segue, right? I can't tell if my beard looks like Shit's Creek. Aha, double entendre. Try editing that, Coca. I said Creek. I sort of like it. It's growing on me. So, day 24, what are we doing? We're giving away $1,000 every single day to each of the 30 teams. For the 70 days after that, until there's baseball, we'll give away $70,000 to local South Florida South Florida charities, foundations who can get money and food to people who need it. I ask you to please go online to your favorite team. Today's team is the San Diego Padres. If you're a Padres fan, please go to their foundation. They've got a great group there. Go to their foundation. Give money, $19, whatever you want. The Padres are an interesting team. I read an article There's great writers for CBS, great writers everywhere. But I do want to mention, are the Padres a rebuilding team for you? They're trying to count themselves as a rebuilding team. Can you be a rebuilding team after you've signed Eric Hosmer to a long-term deal? Can you be a rebuilding team after you sign Manny Machado to that deal last offseason? I don't think so. The Padres are a team that have quite a history. They have as many World Series rings as Charles Barkley has NBA rings, and he's still better than Draymond Green. But they've got a team that could be good. Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes, Fernando Tatis Jr. is on that team. I'm so old that Fernando Tatis Sr. played for the Expos when I was there. We traded for him. Fernando Tatis is the guy who has the coolest record that will never be broken. People talk about what are the records that will never be broken? People talk about Will Chamberlain's 100-point game, Cy Young's 500 wins, 300 losses. I think he had that many. How about Fernando Tatis hitting two grand slams in the same inning? You tell me the next time that someone's going to break that record. Now, could someone tie it? I'm going to go with maybe. 
You think someone's going to break it and hit three grand slams in one inning? That means you have to bat around three times. You have to come up with the bases loaded three times and hit a dinger three times in one inning? Fernando, you're totally secure. But that's not the coolest story I have about the San Diego Padres. I got a quickie but a goodie for you about a little what happens behind the scenes when people sell teams and buy teams. When you buy a team in Major League Baseball, you have to get approved by 23 uh, owners out of the 30 teams. And what you really are approving as a fellow owner or president is you are approving the control of the team going from one person to the other. There was a time back in 2012 when a man named Jeff Morad tried to become the owner and control person of the San Diego Padres. You remember Jeff Morad. He used to be a player agent. That's going to be important later in the story. You may also remember that before Derek Hall, who has been a longstanding president of the Diamondbacks, phenomenal president CEO, phenomenal, by the way, Jeff Morad was the CEO of the Diamondbacks, limited partner, worked with Ken Kendrick. Remember that name? Ken Kendrick is the owner, current owner of the Diamondbacks. That's going to become important. Excuse me. Sorry. So Jeff Morad wanted to become the owner of the San Diego Padres. He had a deal in place to take over control from John Moores. John Moores owned the Padres back in 2009 and did sort of a deal like the Wilpons wanted to do with Steve Cohn, where John Moores would stay in control for a number of years. Then Jeff Morad would take over by the rest of the team and an agreed about a month. It was a lot of money, like half a billion dollars. It would be amazing to sell your team for half a billion dollars. So the time came. Every team gets a memo. In the memo, you are told about the deal. You're told about the owner. You're given a biography of the owner. You're given a flow chart about which companies will own how much, what percentage of the team, how they're going to operate the team. It's a long memo called an ownership memo. Then there is a vote from the ownership committee, the executive council, and then it goes to the full 30 teams. Jeff Morad was well on his way in 2012. We're sitting in an owner's meeting. We're getting ready to vote. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of conversation. There's stuff going on that you only see at a tribal council and survivor when there's about to be a blindside. They're scurrying about. Bud Selig's at the front of the room. Everything's going perfectly. Jeff Morad's on the way. All of a sudden, we get notified that there's actually not going to be a vote. That Jeff Morad's vote is going to be deferred and delayed. We found out that Jerry Reinsdorf and Ken Kendrick, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Diamondbacks, they got enough votes to block. They did not want a former agent to be an owner. They wanted to make sure. You think that they're just upset with Boris? Well, they're the most upset with Boris, but there's more. They felt as though that having Morad as a principal owner, a control person who's in the room where it supposedly happens, they wanted no part of that. Jeff Morad realized there was nothing he could do. He realized that he wasn't getting the votes. And back in those days with Bud Selig, if they didn't know for sure, there'd be no vote. Because there was no vote. Guess what? John Moore's got to sell the Padres to someone else, and everyone made more money. All right, wait to see. Back to the NFL virtual draft. And you know, you know what my wait to see is. I said it. 
there's accountability. I'm always going to come back to it if I'm wrong. And here's what it is. If we watch the virtual draft, if it actually happens, when we watch it, I guarantee you there will be at least one time delay. No matter what NFL wants, there will be a time delay. And then I'm going to go like this on the microphone. I'm going to look right at Roger, right at the other 32 teams, and I'm going to say, hey, Roger, this was just business for me. It was nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.